At this time, I would like to invite up Pastor Matt as he brings us the word. Amen. Well, amen, church. As you can see, it is communion weekend. So we are going to be teaching and learning about communion this weekend. Amen. You know, communion, it's such an important thing. It's such a powerful thing. And I pray that we can really grasp that through the teaching here tonight. You know, we do communion here at church. Normally, I think it's around like once a month, we come together and, and do communion as a church family. And you can do communion at your, at your house as well. There is power when we take communion. Amen? And I want to talk about, really, to take a few moments this weekend for us to slow down. Because, you know, we live in a fast-paced world. Amen? As it, goes, it goes quick. The days feel like they're flying by faster and faster. Things keep going. But I want to take a moment to slow down and really consider what it is we're doing when we're taking communion. Or we could say when we're taking the Lord's Supper, what it is that we are actually doing. And I want to start with what is communion? What is the Lord's Supper? And I want us to dwell on that together here tonight. And I think the best place for us to begin is at the table with Jesus and his disciples. Amen? So the first portion of scripture we're going to look at here tonight is in the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 22, verses 14 and 20. If you have your Bibles, you can go there. If not, you could follow here on the screens. And remember here, I want you to picture this as we read it. Jesus is going to be at the table with his disciples. The Last Supper. Many of us know it. And it says, when the hour came, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. See, if we go back to the beginning of this, I think it was in verse 15, and Jesus says, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. So this is what we know is the Last Supper, but it's taking place during Passover, and this is very significant, all right? See, <clears throat> the significance of Passover here in this scripture is extremely important. Passover was, and it is still, a major Jewish holiday that commemorates or remembers God's deliverance of his people from slavery in Egypt. So what we're reading here in the Gospel of Luke, we're in the New Testament, but this goes all the way back to the second book of the Bible in the book of Exodus. And, ma and many of us know this, how Passover got instituted, how Passover started. See, while the Israelites were slaves in Egypt, God sent Moses to stand before the Egyptian ruler, the Pharaoh, at that time and to deliver a message from God that said, let my people go. So, then Pharaoh, many of us know this story, Pharaoh was stubborn. 
Pharaoh had an extremely hard heart. Pharaoh wouldn't heed what God was speaking through Moses to tell him. He refused to, kept refusing to let the Israelites go free. So what did God do? God sent a series of plagues upon Egypt. And Pharaoh, each and every time, his heart would go harder. <clears throat> he still would not let the people go. And then the last one, the final one, which was the death of the firstborn in all of Egypt, unless... See, God made a way for his people unless the people took the blood of a lamb and wiped it on their doorpost. If they didn't do that, their firstborn would die. So if we know this story here, the Israelites are commanded to do that so the, the angel of death would pass over them. And that's how the Passover started. Then they got delivered after that. In Exodus 12, we read about how the Jews slaughtered lambs and took the blood and they wiped it on their doorposts. And when the angel of death came, it passed over their homes and their children were spared. But everywhere else in all of Egypt, the firstborn of every household died. And, and after this, finally, Pharaoh finally relented and he let God's people go. And ever since then, all the way back to the book of Exodus, ever since then, the Jewish people have celebrated the Passover meal as a memorial of their redemption from captivity and God's faithfulness. Amen. And that's what Jesus and his friends, Jesus and his disciples were doing that night. They were getting together just before he was going to be arrested and crucified. And they were remembering, they were looking back, they were having the Passover dinner together. But then Jesus, Jesus did something very interesting that we see here. See, Jesus, they're remembering everything that's going on, but Jesus also invited them to look forward. All right, so I want to talk about that. See, the Passover meal, it took a turn really twice, as Jesus mentioned, the coming arrival of the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of God, he's telling them the kingdom of God is coming, which at this point, Jesus now has been teaching about for three years. Because remember, Jesus was born as a baby. He grew up, right? And we started his ministry really when he was 30. Really, Jesus, it's amazing. When we read in the gospels, everything that Jesus did, it happened within a three-year time span. It's amazing. And Jesus has been telling them for three years about the kingdom of God, but they're still not getting it. Just like us sometimes, right? <clears throat> we could be reading the word of God. Sometimes we feel like we're not getting it. It's not clicking or we're not walking it out, right? That finally, when it clicks, or finally, when we, maybe even not when it clicks, sometimes when we just surrender to it and start to apply it and walk it out, we see amazing things. And Jesus, he, he spoke this really intriguing statement to them that he would not eat it again, because he's talking about they're having Passover together, they're having the Passover meal, and he says, I will not eat it again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And the implication of Jesus' words was that the Lord's Supper anticipates the future feast of the Messiah here. And he hadn't done the work of the Messiah yet, but he was about to do so. Jesus was about to do what he came here, what he was sent here to do. And that work, which is his death and resurrection, it would unleash or we could say even inaugurate the kingdom of God until he returns to make all things new and to reign over his new creation. Because Jesus is coming back. Amen. We know that Jesus is going to come back. So Jesus, in this moment, in this dinner, in this time together, he's focused the disciples' attention. He focuses their attention on this glorious future of the Messiah. And then he broke the bread and passed the cup and said, do this in remembrance of me. 
This is the new covenant. See, Jesus here is telling them there is a new covenant coming. And I might be getting a little ahead, but that's okay. See, up until this time, they were living under the old covenant. Who knows? In the word of God, there's two covenants that we see. The old covenant and then the new covenant. We're living in the new covenant. So Jesus is saying, I'm starting a new covenant. This covenant is going to be between you and God through my blood, through the, the blood that I'm about to sacrifice, through my death, burial, and resurrection. Up until this time, you've been sacrificing every year, but I am coming to be, I am the one sacrifice. And in this holy moment of Passover, where the faithful believers are gathered to look back and remember God's covenant promises and the faithfulness and redemption he had shown them in Egypt, Jesus announced a new covenant that was about to take place, an even greater covenant. There is a new redemption, is what he's going to be saying now. See, now, when we take part in communion, or we take part in the Lord's Supper, what we're to remember what? What Jesus tells us, his body and his blood given for us. Each and every time, we are to remember that. Amen? We are in this new covenant now, thank God. Praise God, we're in the new covenant. We live in the new covenant. We can look to the old, and the old covenant is it's important. I'm not disparaging it. Thank God we live in the new covenant. We can look to the old. We can remember the old covenant. We can learn from the old covenant. But because of Jesus, we are now living in this new covenant. All right? So we see yet again, Jesus is shifting their perspective here. And Jesus can do that a lot, right? Jesus can shift our perspective, right? How many of us, our perspective has been changed by the word of God, whether we like it or not sometimes, right? Maybe you start even arguing with the pages, saying, no, no, but no, God's word is God's word. And Jesus shifts their perspective here and ours, and he's taking something old and he's reimagining it in himself now. So in Luke, we see how Jesus here, he instituted the Lord's Supper. He instituted communion, and we can call it the Lord's Supper too because that's how the Apostle Paul referred to it in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 20. And I think his description, which I want to go now to really the second portion of Scripture here tonight, because I think his description of it in a few verses later is something really important for us to consider alongside this passage from Luke. So we're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and we're going to read through verses 23 and 28 now. See, and this is important. So Paul is writing to the Corinthian church. He wrote um, two letters. Actually, I mean, it really, it's believed that he really wrote three letters, and the first letter he wrote they just, nobody knows where it is. It's lost. It was, nobody knows. So these are the two, really, First Corinthians and Second Corinthians are the two letters that they really have that obviously were ordained by God to be in the Word of God. These are, this is what God wanted to be in the Bible. And it says here, he's writing to his Corinthian church, and we know if you've read Corinthians, there's a lot of just crazy stuff also going on at that time in this church. But he starts to talk to them about communion, about the Lord's Supper, and in verse 23, Paul's writing, and he says, For I have received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This is the cup. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. See, again, and I want to talk about this covenant for a minute because this new covenant, which was sealed by the blood of Jesus, if you really go back, it was prophesied in Jeremiah 
chapter 31, verses 31 to 34. And that, that covenant was new in its nature, it's new in its content, securing what? The forgiveness of sins, amen? And writing the law of God in the hearts of believers. See, the old ritualistic system is replaced now by the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, which he established by his death, amen? Now, verse 26 we see here, and, I wanna, and I'm going to talk about this verse for a little, and then we'll, we'll get to the last two verses. Verse 26, Paul writes, For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So I want to just teach you on this for a minute and talk about this. See, just as the act of when we do water baptisms, and, and we do water baptisms, and that act of water baptism, what are we doing? We're outwardly declaring or confessing, we could say, we're declaring an inward experience of salvation through the blood of the Lord Jesus, right? When we get water baptized, we've already been saved, and what are we doing? We are declaring, we are showing, this is what I believe, right? I have died with Christ, I'm being resurrected with him. We're making an outward expression to show that. But when we really think about it, each observance that we have of the Lord's table is a powerful occasion for faith's confession. All right? See, in this Christian, in this, the Christian confesses before all heaven that he has not only believed, but he has not forgotten. In remembrance, I love that word in remembrance. See, in remembrance, it involves more than just a memory. The word suggests an active calling to mind. And that's what I want us to do tonight when we're going to be actively calling to mind, remembering all of that Jesus has done for us, the price that he paid. Amen. There is power in that. And we should never take it lightly because Jesus paid a great price. And that word for, where it says for as often, see the word for introduces, introduces the reason that the, the supper is continually repeated. See, we don't just take communion. We get water baptized. You can get water baptized once, right? You're, you get water baptized once, you're de outwardly declaring. We don't take communion only once. You can take communion every single day if, if, you, if you chose to do that. And the word for it introduces why it's continually repeated. It's an act, if you really think about it, it is an acted sermon for it proclaims the Lord's death. And that outward act of faith as the bread and the cup is taken is an explicitly said to be an ongoing active confession of what we remember, of what we believe. Each occasion of partaking of it is an opportunity to proclaim or to confess, to say, I hereby lay hold of all of the benefits of Jesus Christ's full redemption for my life. Forgiveness, wholeness, strength, health, sufficiency. Listen, the Lord's Supper, it's not just to be a ritual remembrance but an active confession by which we actively will to call to memory and appropriate today all that Jesus has promised and provided through his cross. Amen? Now, verse 27 and 28, Paul goes on to say, he says, Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. 
So we've looked at two passages here tonight. We looked at the Gospel of Luke, and then we've came to 1 Corinthians. And this is, as I was preparing this message, these were obviously the two portions of Scripture that I was really studying. And as I was studying them and looking at them uh, together, it hit me. And that's kind of what this whole message, I kind of did it about, because it really hit me that the Lord's Supper, that communion, it is not just about remembering. That's a huge part of it. But it's not just about remembering. It's a very integral aspect of it. But in addition to looking back, we're also invited to look forward, which we saw in Luke 22. Right? And in this text from Paul, also, it invites us to look within. To look within. And we see that in that context where we say that, where it says, whoever drinks the cup and eats, uh, eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in a worthy manner, the context describes an unworthy manner as a divisive attitude that desecrates the meaning of the Lord's Supper. That's the, in the context of Paul's writing this. And it does not refer to a person just examining his or own sins to determine worthiness to partake of communion um, because we're worthy because of Jesus. Amen. To partake in a worthy manner is to attribute to the full worth of Christ's redeeming work to his action. Okay? To partake with faith in his full forgiveness, full acceptance, and full power to restore, to strengthen, and to heal. See, communion is really important. You know, in the Corinthian church, Paul lays it out too a few verses later. He says, many are actually dying because they were taking it in an unworthy manner. They weren't really acknowledging what Jesus truly did. You know, there is healing in communion. When we take the bread, we're remembering the body of Christ, the body that when we say, right, that we're healed. Why? Because of the stripes of Jesus, the stripes that he took to his body. There's power in communion. You can get healed just through taking communion. That's really, honestly, when you're not feeling good, one of the first things I generally do at home is I take communion. I go grab, you know, what we have and I take communion. Where was I? There we go. So, as we're going to take communion today, and I still got the message to finish, but I want us to do three things as we're going to be preparing to take communion. Amen? Number one, the first thing I want us to do is to look back. Is to look back. See, in, in the Lord's Supper and communion, again, we talked about we're invited to look back, to remember. We're invited to remember and reflect on what Jesus has done for us the redemption that we have now, the new covenant that we're in, and his faithfulness. Amen? You know, God is faithful, and I, I could guarantee he's been faithful in each and every one of our lives. And when we take communion, we should remember his faithfulness in our lives. First and foremost, his faithfulness, that he went to the cross, he suffered, he died for us, that he rose again and he defeated death. And because of that, we can enter into this new covenant, this relationship with the Father through Jesus. That's enough. If he never did anything else, that would be enough. But he does things in our lives as well. But I think as humans, I don't know what it is. I feel like we are naturally wired to remember the bad things that happen in our life more than the good. Maybe not so much remembering, but to dwell on at least. Right? We mostly dwell on maybe the negative or the bad things or the shortcomings in life, whatever we have. And sometimes we could forget about all that God has done in our lives to be dwelling on his goodness, on his faithfulness, how he's come through. You know, when you're going through a trial, when you're going through something, one of the first things you should do is obviously pray to God and then start remembering everything that he's done in your life. You want to build your faith, start remembering what God has done in your life. Start remembering his faithfulness because our God, what, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
So if you can look back and see how faithful he was, you know if he was faithful then, he's going to be faithful now. Amen? But that's the thing we have to keep our minds. Our minds are so important. We talk about this all the time, our thought life, because the enemy's going to get into our minds and, and make us remember the negative or make us remember uh, things that have happened in our life to dwell on, to feel shame, to feel guilt, to feel doubt, whatever it may be. We have to remember the faithfulness of God. If it's hard for you to remember, do what I do. Start writing it down. Start journaling, writing it down. That's easy. Then when something comes up, you can literally go back and start reading. You know, um, I think I shared this a month ago. My wife, she got me one of the coolest things a few years back. It was like a, um, it was a journal. I, liked, I do like to journal. I, I like to write. But it was, you, for each day, you didn't really write a lot. It was only like four sentences or something like that. I, I actually, this had to be years ago because I used the whole thing up. So it had to be over five years ago. But it was a five-year journal. So each day, if you had like January 1st, you would go through it for five years. You could catch what I'm saying? So like, it would be like whatever year it was, and then the next year you'd restart it, and then the next year. So you didn't write much, but it was five years. And it was the coolest thing when I got to like year four and year five, and you're going through it, and you're like, oh my gosh, on this day two years ago, I was miserable. <laughs> and now I'm doing so much better, right? Or I'd look back and go, oh man, on this day last year, we were believing for this, and it happened. And I totally forgot I even prayed about it. And it would rise up thanksgiving in me, because I'd be like, God, you are so faithful right? Or you look back five years ago and being like, I can't believe this was something I worried about five years ago, whatever it may be. Or you read and you're like, man, I was a lot more sane five years ago than I am now. I don't know, but God is still good. No. But it was one of the coolest journals I've ever had because it would remind me of the faithfulness of God. It would remind me of things that he's helped me walk through. It would remind me of things that I've overcome through Christ. And it would remind me that even when you feel like you're at your lowest, he's not done with us yet. So when we take communion, we look back, we remember all that we, what he, he's done. And we should remember, too, when we take communion, the redemptive significance. See, when John the Baptist saw Jesus, he cried out, Look, the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sin of the world. And we see that in John 1.29. See, John clearly established in that verse the reason of Jesus' coming. As the fulfillment of what the Passover lamb back in Exodus had only foreshadowed. See, in Exodus 12, the lamb was sacrificed for the deliverance of one family at the cross. The lamb of God was sacrificed, though, to deliver the whole world from the power and penalty of sin. Amen? And Jesus is the Lamb of God. And that Passover lamb, it served as the substitute for the firstborn of Israel. But Jesus was our substitute at Calvary. Without the death of the lamb and the spreading of its blood, the children of Israel would have suffered the judgment of God back in Exodus 12. And without, though, the shedding of the blood of Jesus and his death, we would have no hope of salvation. And again, if we go back to Exodus, we could learn so much from the book of Exodus. See, we don't want to be like the Israelites that we would see many times would keep forgetting what God had done for them. Even after God even split the Red Sea, they complained about God and they forgot how faithful he was. You know, I've said this before, but, you know, I know me, I could, I, myself, I could think, you know, how I could get stuck and angry, like how could they forget? God literally split the Red Sea for them to walk through. 
how could you ever worry about anything again? Right? And I got super convicted about this once because I remember I was like getting angry and I was, and I was praying about it. Like I was just dwelling on it one time a few years ago and I was thinking about that. And I'm like, okay, like a Red Sea, it's split. They walk through dry. I would never worry about anything again. And we see a little bit later when all of a sudden they have no food, they start panicking. And I remember I got super convicted because I remember one day I was drawing on that and God said, listen, maybe not physically, but I've split many Red Seas in your life. And I was like, dang. <laughs> when I was worrying about something, right? And I'm like, oh yeah, I guess, okay. So I ain't going to make fun of them anymore. Anyway. But don't, we don't want to be like the Israelites because how many times do we forget what Jesus has done for us and accomplished for us? So in this moment, as we prepare heart, remember his faithfulness in your life. Remember the price that he paid for us. Amen? So when we take communion today, the three things I want us to do is to look back. The next thing is to look forward. It's for us to look forward. See, we are invited, we saw it in Luke 22, to look forward in eager anticipation of the day when Jesus will come again and he will finish what he started. Amen? He will finish what he started. He will make, the word of God says, he will make all things new. And each time that we gather at his table, verse 26 says, we proclaim that glorious future. The fragment of bread and the taste of the cup are the first course of an eternal feast that we will have one day. So when we take communion, we look forward to the day that Jesus is going to come back again. All things will become new. You know, we say that saying a lot, the best is yet to come. You know, we could truly say that because no matter what, really the best is yet to come because Jesus is going to come back. He's going to defeat death. It's going to be a new heaven, a new earth, and we will be with him forever. Amen. So when we take communion, we look back, we look forward. And the last thing I want us to do, we're told to do, is to look within. Is to look within. We're invited to look within. Paul said in verse 28 that we must examine ourselves so as not to come to the table in an unworthy manner. And we know, right, we know that our worthiness, it's not found in anything that we can do, okay? Jesus makes us worthy. It's by placing our faith in him and offering our lives to him as living sacrifices that we become worthy to share in this meal. It's not us, it's him. But when we look within, there's a lot of questions that we could and we should ask ourselves. And I think communion is always a great time before we take communion to look within and to ask ourselves, is there somebody that we need to forgive right now? Are we holding on? Are you holding on to unforgiveness? Are you holding on to bitterness? Take this moment to release that forgiveness. Have, do you have a hard, hard, a hard heart right now? From years of whatever it may be, we'll take this moment to ask God to start to soften your heart. Do you need to ask God yourself for forgiveness for something? Ask him for forgiveness and he will show you his mercy. Do you need maybe to forgive yourself? Forgive yourself. God has already forgiven you. See, when we take communion, the Lord's Supper, it's, it's for followers of Jesus. We're not trying to exclude anyone. The Lord's table, it, it's open to everyone, but the table is in the dining room, and believing faith in Jesus is the front door. 
And we need to enter through that door to sit at his table. And the good thing is, is that door is wide open. Amen. So as I'm going to be finishing up and then we're going to take communion as I wrap this up. The question I want to really close with is this, is what is the Lord's Supper? What is communion? The Lord's Supper, it's an invitation to look back, to look forward, and also to look within. Amen? And when we do that, what we see in each one of those places, when we look back, when we look forward, when we look within, what we see in each and every one of those places is, is we see Jesus. We look back and see all that he has done for us. We look forward to seeing the day when he will return. Amen? And we look within and we see his presence, the only thing that makes us worthy. So what I want to do now, and we're going to take communion. First, let's all just bow our heads and shut our eyes because I want to make sure, because again, Communion is open to everyone, and Jesus is that front door. That front door into a relationship with him, a front door into stepping in to that new covenant that we have with God through the blood of Jesus that he paid for. But to enter into that covenant, the only way to enter into that covenant is through Jesus Christ. He is the way and the truth and the life, and there's no way to the Father except through him. He's the one who came. He's the one who died for us. And he was the one who was buried and rose again and defeated death. And he, Jesus, is the one who will come back again. But the word says, when we talk about salvation, we need to believe in our hearts that Jesus is who he is. That he is the son of God. That he came and he suffered for us and he died for us. And that he rose again. And that we come to this place where we know that we need a Savior. That we surrender our life to Him. We repent of our old ways. We surrender our life to Him and we begin to follow Him. It says when we believe, we confess salvation has come. So I want to make sure if there's anybody in here before we take communion together that has not made Jesus the Lord of their life, that you have an opportunity to do so here tonight. So I'm going to lead us into that salvation prayer. And we could pray this together, all of us. And know if you are praying this for the first time, if you are making this declaration of faith, if you're surrendering your life to Jesus, the word of God says that his spirit seals you for salvation, that you become a new creation in Christ Jesus. Amen? So let's go ahead and let's pray this prayer. Let's pray. Father, I believe that Jesus is your son. And I believe that he came to this earth. He suffered for me. He died for me. And he rose again. So this day, I acknowledge that I need a Savior. I repent of my old ways. And Jesus, I ask you to come into my life to be my Lord, to be my Savior. My life is yours, and I'm going to follow you all of my days. Thank you for making me a child of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
we're going to get ready to take communion, but before we do that, I want us to take a moment, just a minute or two, in this quiet time, to just to do that as we continue to prepare our hearts, to look back and remember, look forward with that anticipation of Jesus' coming, but to give you a moment, give myself a moment, to look within to look within, and if there's anything we have to let God deal with, forgiveness, hardness of heart, whatever it may be, to let him deal with that. Amen? So let's just take a minute before we take communion. Let's just be in silence before the Lord. And whatever it is between you and him, pray to him. Let him begin to do that work in you. Amen? Thank you, Lord. You could grab that cup and you could peel the top and take that bread. Father, I just thank you as we come to your table here tonight, Lord, to remember all that you've done for us, the price that Jesus paid for us, the promises also, Lord, that we have in Christ Jesus. We take this bread here tonight, Father remembering the price that Jesus had to pay, the lashes, the beating that he had to take, Lord. Father, that he was broken so that we could be whole. As your word says, Father, it's by the stripes that Jesus took that we were healed at the cross, God. 
So we take bread, this bread, in remembrance of what Jesus has done for us. I thank you for the power that's in the body of Jesus because we're healed by his stripes. I even pray for those in here, Lord, that may need healing in their body, that if we, as we take this bread, your healing power would begin to manifest in their body, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Take that bread. Next, we take this cup, this grape juice, which symbolizes the blood of Jesus, the blood that was shed for us that brought us into that new covenant, the most powerful thing that there is. And Father, we thank you for the blood of the Lord Jesus, the blood that instituted this new covenant, Father, between us and you, Lord, that Jesus was the Lamb of God who came and took away the sins of the world. Lord, that he was that Passover lamb for us, that he took away our sins, Father. Through the shedding of his blood, he covered our sins. He washed away our sins, Lord. I pray we would never take this lightly, Lord. We would remember the price that he paid. And I thank you, Lord, as we take this cup, we can also look forward to the day, Father, when we, when we will be with you, Lord God, in that eternal feast, Father, because Jesus is going to come again, Lord. We know he's coming back, Father, to make all things new. So we thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you loved us so much that you sent your son Jesus to die for us. We take this cup in thanksgiving. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, amen, church. Listen, if you prayed that salvation prayer for the first time, please, when we're dismissing just a second or two, don't, don't just leave. Come up. Tell one of our prayer workers, I gave my life to Jesus tonight because that is the most amazing thing. And we have a Bible for you. We want to encourage you. We want to rejoice with you. The word says heaven's rejoicing as well with you. You are a new person in Christ Jesus. Amen. If you need prayer for anything, please come up. We want to stand in faith with you according to God's word for what you're believing for. Amen. If not, listen, God bless you all. We love you. We'll see you next weekend.